listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. To win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Brexit. What a pass to Anders. A team follow. Toy branch fires. He converts. Rhymes again. Of Shada. Presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston hoops. I'm one of your hosts, Tamer Knights, and you can find me on Twitter at T Knight Sports. And I'm your second host, Justin Barbosa, and you can find me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore ninety five. Be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR. And I'm your third host. My name is Andy Yanez, and you can find me on Twitter at ayanez underscore five. And be sure to follow the rest of our podcast wherever you listen to them, whether it's iTunes, Spotify. Or anywhere else, uh, obviously follow us, Pod Slamajama, and be sure to follow the Launch Pod podcast uh, that covers the Houston Rockets. And really, we finally have men's basketball. Tamer, Justin, how did it feel to finally have Cougar games to cover? I mean, not just men's basketball, but we had men's and women's basketball today. And what way to start off the 2020-2021 season? I mean, we got a win from both teams, guys. That's yeah, right. Really- uh, the women's basketball. <laughs> uh, my bad, Justin. Uh, I was going to say that the, the women's basketball team went first. They tipped off around noon uh, central time, and, and they went into Oklahoma and defeated uh, the Sooners 97-85. to 85. And then, of course, the men's basketball team opened up at, at the Fertitta Center, and they beat uh, Lamar, 89 to 45. Uh, Justin, before I cut you off, what were you going to say? Yeah, it just feels really good to have basketball back. Just decided to get the season started, and it's good to start the season with a win. And this was a big game for women's basketball, considering, I mean, Oklahoma, they're usually, if I'm correct, they're usually ranked um, every year. And I did mention in the last podcast that, you know, We've seen this matchup before, I think. Um, if I'm correct, we've seen U of H and Oklahoma matchup maybe inside the Fertitta Center or at Hawthorne's Pavilion a couple, either last year or the year before last. And I was telling Justin, I believe they fell short. So it's good to see them come in there and take over Oklahoma to start this 2020-2021 season off with a win. I know Layla Blair made a lot of noise um, coming off uh, actually starting in the game today. And, you know, it's just going to be a good season if, if if they continue to play like they did this season. And that, and that goes for, you know, men's and women's basketball. Yeah, Tamer, um, you mentioned Layla Blair. She had a, a pretty decent uh, debut into her, her collegiate career. She had 13 points. Uh, but really the star of uh, for the women's side, it was Brittany, uh, I'll butcher this last name, Onieje. Uh, I'll just call her Brittany. Oh, if I butcher that name, I am really sorry. But uh, she, she led the Cougars. She had 23 points. And she hit five three-pointers uh, in the game as well. And she was the leading scorer for U of H. And, Obviously, of course, uh, Julia Blackshell Fair. She did her thing. She she poured in an extra sixteen points and really ninety seven points from from the Cougars on an opener. That's that's impressive. And against Oklahoma, you mentioned in years past they they've had strong outings. They've had, they've kind of regressed in the past few years. And the women's team um, they did play Oklahoma. They played them last season at Fertitta Center, and and um, U of H actually beat Oklahoma 
uh, last season too. So they're starting to get a couple of uh, a winning streak against Oklahoma. Oh wow! I I don't I couldn't remember if you know they have won or lost, but I do remember this matchup. Um, but I was gonna say you know. I'm just excited to see what this team does. You know, most of these players are either transfers, they're freshmen, or they're just, you know, they had like four red shirts last season. And so now it's going to be interesting to see how they all gel together um, in this 2020-21-20 season. I feel like they're they're starting off strong. Like you said, 97 points um, for – for, for the first game, I mean, that's impeccable if you ask me. And then again, it's against Oklahoma. So I think it's a good day in, in, in the Cougar history book. What do you guys say? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, Ron Huey, too, the head coach for the women's basketball team. Um, he was excited, too. He, he kind of mentioned how big uh, opening this season on the road, obviously, with, with everything going on in terms of coronavirus. Um Mike, it was a tough win. Um, uh, obviously, Oklahoma, Big 12 school. Um, and just you mentioned all the, the red shirts that, that the U of H held off last year, Brittany O being one of them. And like I mentioned when we were discussing before we, we started recording, she this was her first actual playing time in, in college. She didn't play her first year at, at Central Florida. And then last year when she transferred to, to U of H, she didn't play either because of the transfer rules. So this was a, a big debut for her and, and her NCAA debut. And this means, you know, all the preparation that this team put in, you know, during coronavirus, during these unprecedented times, it appears it's played, it's paying off, you know? I mean, again, I just can't, tell you how excited I am for them to go to Oklahoma and actually win that game. I mean, they won last year and I feel like that's a little bit of an advantage because, you know, the Fertitta Center is their home court, but I feel like they just proved themselves um, even more by going to Oklahoma and being able to defeat them um, 97-85. Justin, you have anything to add? I I was going to, before I talk a little bit about uh, the player reaction too that they had to to the winning against the Sooners. Yeah, it's just good to see you. Four Cougars have four players in double digits with Ole at 23, Blackshell Fair with 16, Diamond with 13, and the newcomer Layla Blair with 13 as well. Diamond, yeah, you. Sorry. No, no, uh, go ahead, Tamer. I was going to say also um, that that um, upperclassman Diamond Gladney, she had a team a team high four assists this game. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what our vets do. You know, I know you mentioned Julia Blackshell Fair, but, you know, Julia Blackshell Fair and Diamond Gladney, they kind of, you know, helped mold that team last year with Dorian Branch. But as we mentioned before, Dorian Branch is no longer with the team. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how these um, upperclassmen, you know, men with the red shirts or the freshmen or the incoming uh, transfers to, to make this UH women's basketball unstoppable. They called this season a redemption season um, because they knew that the last couple of the years, they haven't really played like themselves. And that was one of the things Julia Blackshell Fair was able to speak on the most because, you know, she's kind of been here the longest. And so it's her last year playing for U of H and, you know, I want, see her go out with a bang and that's what she reiterated to me um, a couple weeks ago when we did a, a little uh, podcast for catching up with the coups and she, she just wanted to make sure that her senior year was um, the highlight of her four years at U of H. 
Absolutely. And it's interesting you said her final year. Um, last week, actually, during her availability, she, she kind of teased that, you know, with this year, the NCAA granting an extra year of eligibility for, for winter sports, that she might come back uh, next year, too. So she's, um, I don't think she's made a, a strict decision on it yet, but just, it, it's just interesting to see how many of these athletes were, they are seniors. It's interesting to see how they handle this season where it might be their last year. It, it might not, uh, depending on what they decide to do. But like you, like Justin said, uh, I think it was five uh, uh, Cougars that finished in double figures. And um, and this is actually an interesting stat. Uh, with the win in, in Oklahoma, they actually have already tied the number of wins they had on the road all of last season. They only had one a year ago, so they already matched that. So certainly off to the to, on the right foot. And like you said, Tamer, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how um, how they can propel, they can use this win to propel their season. And obviously they're going to have another big test when they, they have to travel to Alabama. They're going to be on the road for these first two uh, games of the season. Um, but certainly off to the right foot with this win. They're going to use this first win certainly as fuel and more momentum moving, moving into that game um, against Alabama this weekend. I can assure you that I'm not saying what the outcome is going to be, but I know they're going to be hyped up because, you know, that's what you need. That first one of the season, you kind of need that to, you know, get your confidence back. And then again, they haven't been able to play and practice the way they want to for so long. So I think those girls are just ready and ready and eager to show, you know, what they've been working so hard for. Remember guys, it's called the season of redemption for 2020-2021 University of Houston women's basketball. In the second half of the podcast, we'll wrap up the women's win over Oklahoma and we'll dive headfirst into the Cougars' dominant win, 89-45 to over Lamar, coming up on Pod Slam Jamma. Andy, the first game back inside of the Fertitta Center for the 2020. 21 season what was the atmosphere like that what was the atmosphere like you know first game post not even post coronavirus because coronavirus is still very much a thing but you know first game back with the new precautions taking place what was the atmosphere like inside of the Fertitta Center today well, Tamer, I think the atmosphere is about as good as it could be for uh, a little less than 2,000 people inside a, a basketball stadium. You could certainly notice that there were a lot of changes um, just walking into the arena. There were hand sanitizer, um, out of the automatic dispensers all over the, the place, uh, and just walking around the, the, the upper concourse. Um, it wasn't anywhere near as crowded as it was early in, in, in last season. Uh, I remember to walk towards the media section. Uh, well, first of all, for the media, they changed the media entrance. Um, it used to be by the um, the club sections, and you'd go down. Um, they changed that, so we kind of enter where I forget the name of the actual entrance, but we enter basically where where other fans enter, and we have to walk on the upper concourse to get to the media section. And just walking around the upper concourse, it wasn't nearly as packed as it was in, in last season. Um, the line for the for the concession stands wasn't anywhere near um, crowded. I think they were having this thing where they would bring you the fans. They would bring fans um, food to their to their seat if they ordered them. 
I know I read some, I think I read in the Houston Chronicle, they were kind of doing that with, with the Houston Texans games. So I saw, I saw someone like they had like a little timeline that would bring food to fans. Uh, I, I kind of dove into a whole bunch of description, but when it came to the actual game, um, obviously you could tell, I'm sure on TV, you could tell the empty seats and that's what stands out. But for the most part, um, the, the fans that were there, they were energetic and they were ener- they were energized. I know um, at the end of, um, toward the end of the game, when Marcus Sasser came out of the game, the people there actually gave him a standing ovation because um, we'll, we'll dive right into it right now. But he had a, a really good, strong opener. And, you know, Calvin Sampson kind of touched a, a touched on the, the atmosphere a little bit after the game. And he, he talked about how you, know, you could certainly notice a difference. Um, he actually said that, with this stuff, it kind of takes away the home court advantage for a lot of teams just because, you know, 2,000 people is going to be as loud as a full 7,000 jam-packed arena, which is the capacity for Fertitta Center. Um, and just the biggest thing that stood out to him, he mentioned how, you know, he looks across to the other side of the, the Lamar bench and he could see their head coach wearing a mask and, you know, everything's kind of turned around. The, the benches for both teams are on the other side now, so... Um, I don't know if you guys uh, remember where the student section was uh, on the court, you know, those like section of bleachers on the actual floor. Yes. The state. Um, yeah. Those Each are time. no longer, those are no longer like students can't sit there anymore. Um, the people that were there were, I think they had the scores table in the middle of there um, where they like keep all the stats and stuff. And uh, we all know uh, Jeff Conrad, he had his uh, seat in that area too. And then other people on, when it comes to photographers, they all have like their assigned spots too. So everything you can tell, it's a little different in terms of coronavirus guidelines and just with the media seat. Um, for the most part, the arrangements were the same, but the amount of seats available were much less. Um, there were probably like a handful of media actually at the game. And then, you know, but really once it tips off like the, just watching the game, you kind of get lost a little bit. Like once the game starts, but just the, the visuals you can you can tell just looking around the arena that there's still a pandemic going on. You mentioned the cage. I was that was going to be my next question to you. Was there students there in that section? But you said that pretty much officials and um, Cougar staff was filling up that area. So where were the students located? You know, inside of the arena, was it just like everybody is kind of spaced out? Every other seat, students on this side, or was it just like all fans mixed throughout the the arena? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, no, when it comes to on the on the court uh, on the floor um, seating, that's all official stuff. There are no fans on on the court, regardless of what side. Um, the student athletes actually have like their own three different sections. Not the student athlete. The students themselves are have their own section uh, spread out. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the what the sections are, but I, I I know they have like seats on the on the actual lower bowl that's the designated for them and then everyone else is is spaced out um i think when it comes to students they only had 250 seats that are specifically designated for for u of h students and then when it comes to the regular fans um i, I was talking to justin before we started recording but it, it seemed like um the maximum number of people in one group was four um and then so anywhere from like one or two people to four people could be together, but then they had to like come together and then everyone else was spread out. So 
one group is sitting in one section and then they probably have like a couple, like five, six or more seats spread out, spread across. So that's, that's how it looked like from, from seating arrangement wise. Although it's not our normal, you know, 7,000, 8,000 overbearing loud for Tita Center. I know the Cougars are just excited to be back doing what they're, what they love inside of the Fertitta Center. They got a big, big win at home today against Lamar. Justin, you kind of predicted this in our last episode that this is going to be an easy one for U of H and indeed it was. Yeah, it was a 44-point win with a score of 89-45. to 45. Marcus Sasser, the leading scorer, as Andy said, really great game. 9 of 11 from the field and 7 of 9 from 3 with 25 points. And I was looking at Go Cougs. They said his three-point efficiency, 77.7%, was the highest in UH history. And that's yes, Justin. Oh, sorry, Tamer. Um, yeah, what Justin just said, um, the 77.8% uh, from three-point uh, shooting is actually the a record and not only were was that a record um the seven made three-point field goals for marcus sasser was the fertina center record so he, he had a, a very good opening game for the cougars and we'll dive into a little bit more specifics but it was certainly sasser's um sasser's i wouldn't say coming out party but it was certainly like his game today uh wednesday when we are recording this what what was it what was it like watching Day John Giroux? I mean, I know Sasser had the most points, um, the leading score for today's game against Lamar, but what was it like seeing Day John Giroux back on the court? I know we talked a lot about him in the beginning of the or the very first podcast, um, and him coming back as an upperclassman. You know, he's gonna we heard Caleb Mills say that he kind of has taken on that role as the leader as one of the leaders, I should say, because there are a couple other upperclassmen, but Caleb Mills specifically mentioned that Dejon Giroux was like a leader to them and he was, the coaches depended on him. So what was that role like for seeing him play today? Uh, well, certainly um, I'll, he, I'll talk this first. Um, Dejon was, he was one of the players that talked after the game and, and we kind of touched on it, how the coaching staff has, Emphasis not just to Jerome specifically, but all the seniors to, to embrace that leadership position and, and kind of hold the younger guys accountable. Uh, when it comes to this game specifically, uh, yeah, it's hard to, to pull something away just from the first game. I'll, I'll share this funny um, moment. Like uh, as soon as he joined the Zoom conference, he kind of pointed out how weird it was to, to how we were doing like all the media availability stuff in terms of like through Zoom and stuff. But when it comes to what I saw from him from a leadership standpoint, um, it's not, I can't say much about it after one game. Um, in terms of his play on the on the court, he had a, a good game. He had nine points and eight rebounds. Uh, Sasser kind of talked about it a little bit um, too. And just, I think the main focus for Dejon this season will be kind of to embrace that playmaking role. And the other thing that, that Dejon talked about is how the, the Cougars are looking to to fill the, the void that Nate Hinton leaves in terms of rebounding at the guard position. I think Dejon did a good job to 
to do his best Nate impersonation. Like you said, like I said, he had eight rebounds um, for the game, which is a good start. And uh, Dejan and Quentin Grimes didn't necessarily have um, the best shooting game, but Kelvin Santa talked about him, what he saw from Dejan uh, specifically is that he got the shots that, that he wants them to keep taking. It's just that they didn't necessarily fall against Lamar. And um, really that's all I can say about Dejan in terms of, of this game. And let's talk about that chase down block. I mean, I know that was pretty nasty. Yeah, the opening moments of the game, I, it, it actually made a sports center's Twitter, uh, the main Twitter account. So I'll be interested to see if it is a top 10 on sports center uh, later tonight. And we talked a lot about how, you know, Day John Jarreau, he had a really rough season last year. You know, he had a couple deaths in the family and it just wasn't a really good season for him. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he propels this this season, you know, while also taking on that leadership role. And we have to add here, guys, our fellow Coug, Nate Hinton, has signed with the Dallas Mavericks. And I also saw that he graduated from, from college. So I know we talked about it on a couple episodes ago, and I kind of was the bad guy. And I said, well, I wish they wouldn't just leave college and go to the NBA draft. But it looks like Nate Hinton might have done both. Uh, yeah, I actually got a chance to interview Nate, uh, last week. Um, when was it? It was on Thursday when, uh, the day after he signed with the Mavericks and he kind of talked to me about, um, the process that he had, like <laughs> he kind of described to me when, you know, he, he went undrafted in, in the 2020 draft, but just a few minutes after he got a call from, from Dallas Mavericks owner, uh, Mark Cuban and Rick Carlisle, the head coach, um, were on the call and they told him that that they were excited to do business with him. He said that that's what they told him. And the moment he heard that and that he was going to sign with the Mavericks, he, he talked about how the first thing he did was cry just in terms of, you know, excitement. He just, yeah, exactly. He described it as it was kind of like a, a sign that, that his gamble had paid off and that he had made into the NBA, into an NBA team, obviously a, a two-way contract, but he also made sure to point out that, he can't be satisfied now because, you know, it's a two-way contract. So he'll probably spend most of his time uh, in the G League this season. Um, but, you know, obviously, Nate Hinton, the number one asset that Nate Hinton has is his tenacity and his determination. So it'll certainly be interesting to see what he does for the Mavericks, both in the G League and when he gets a chance to, to play on the actual Mavericks roster. Um how soon that happens, we will, we'll, it'll be on Hinton and it'll be interesting to see how, how his journey goes. I mean, you mentioned determination and tenacity, and I have to say that he has a lot of that. Um, for him to just even finish his college degree, um, despite his decision to, you know, enter the draft, I mean, that's a class act if you ask me, because most guys, you know, they just – they don't worry about finishing school. They're just so focused on basketball. So I have to give it up for Nate Hinton one time, our fellow Coug, for making that decision to finish college. Good luck to him also to the with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I know I kind of waited around all night just to see who was going to post what or who was going to break the news first whenever he had um, got his first deal or, or his only deal. And I saw that, you know, the Dallas Mavericks, they have, they asked a lot of questions about him. They were the most interested in, in him. So it's good to see that they got exactly what they wanted. Yeah, sure. He said he had a busy, uh, he, he said that he spoke to 20 different NBA teams just uh, 
leading up to the draft. Um, and um, Kellen Sampson, who, who is an assistant coach for, for the University of Houston, uh, also talked about how they the, the team that kind of asked him the most about Nate Hinton was the Dallas Mavericks. So yeah. it certainly will be interesting to see how, like I said, how his journey goes with the Mavericks. We got a little off course there, but Justin, is there anything you would like to add about today's big win over Lamar inside the Petita Center? Yeah, I actually want to talk about Tremont Mark had a great actually second half, went scoreless in the first half, and in the second half, he scored 22 points on five of eight shooting and two of three from deep. Actually had eight rebounds as well and only played only 17 minutes. So had 22 points, only 17 and only 17 minutes playing just one half. That's really just capable what we're going to see throughout his college career. Yes, uh, for sure, Justin. Uh, obviously, I think Traymond Mark uh, was the University of Houston uh, men's basketball player that had the most buzz coming into this season. And, you know, the first half didn't necessarily stand out. Kelvin Sampson talked about how he he uh, attributed Mark's struggles in the first half to, just to <laughs> anxiousness, anxiety, and, and kind of being jittery that he was, it was his first collegiate game ever. Um, in the second half and you're watching him in person. I, his jump shot is so uh, smooth. And when he shoots it, it looks effortless. Um, it's just like one motion. And I, someone told me um, that in the ESPN plus broadcast that they compared him to James Harden uh, from the Houston Rockets, which is uh, high praise and way too early to compare him to Harden. But um, certainly, like I said, he had a lot of buzz coming into the season just watching him how, I mean, he had 22 points, but there were a quiet 22 that he got him on the second half and it didn't necessarily stand out. Um, that's how effortless um, it is to watch him score. Um, like you said, he's two for three in three point shooting. They have him listed at six, five, but watching him in, in person, it, he looks like he's taller than six, five. I know they have Quentin Grimes at six, five, two, and he looks like he's a little bit taller than Quentin. So, that's certain, uh, uh, certainly another plus for him, and he's certainly going to be someone to to keep your eye on. Just how much he develops. This is this was his first game, and he had twenty two points in one half. So he's I I'm talking to to one of the media there at the game, and he he talked about how Trayvon Mark is the real deal, and you know he this person said that he would expect Mark to to get drafted. Um, we just talked about Nate Hitney. You said that Mark could be another one of the U of H. Um, do you call them alumni or ex U of H players that, that make it into the league? And Mark has certainly had a good first impression. You talked a little bit about Trayvon Mark's um, development, but let's talk about the development as a team. You know, I talked about um, how Kelvin Sampson and his staff, how they would gel together, you know, the players that they're bringing, that they brought in this season with the players that, they've already had um, such as Dejan Giroux or, you know, all of the other players that's been there already. It is kind of good, interesting to see how they've kind of all gelled together. And um, like you said, it's Mark's first collegiate game. And, you know, he already came off the bench and, you know, made a lot of noise 
with the two, 22 points, but it's going to be interesting to see who else has their um, breakthrough games or their, you know, debut, um, or they're just the the star player of the game. And typically, I would like to say that those are typically the players that we don't hear about the most. So it's it's good to see that, you know, they're all working together to win. You know, it's, it's just about winning. I think Caleb Mills and Quentin Grimes made that pretty, pretty clear um, during the media availability a few weeks back, you know, they don't really focus on the accolades, the current accolades or, you know, the, the personal accolades. Um, it's more so of a, a team effort and they just want to win because as a team, they know there's always somebody waiting to take their spot. Yeah. Tamara, you just uh, mentioned Caleb. Let me, uh, um, give a quick, uh, quick uh, injury update. Uh, Mills didn't play against Lamar. Um, Kelvin Sampson after the game said that it was due to an ankle injury that it was actually a, a pretty significant ankle sprain that he suffered about 10 days ago. Um, significant in terms of, you know, he had a lot of swelling issues, but it's nothing in terms of that it'll be a long-term issue. Uh, Sampson said, um, you know, he, he said that he could that Mills could have played in this game um, had it been like you know probably later in the regular season if it were a conference game or something like that. But uh, Samson actually decided not to let Mills play, and you know they gave uh, Caleb an MRI when when he rolled his ankle, and nothing you know they didn't find anything. So he'll probably make his season debut. Uh, he didn't say if anything about his status against Boise State, but I would. Um, just based off what Samson said, it, it Mills will probably make his season debut sooner rather than later. Especially when you got Texas Tech on Sunday in Fort Worth. Exactly. And, um, you know, we talk about how U of H won by 44 points, but they didn't necessarily play, you know, lights out. Uh, Marcus Sasser had a good game. Outside of Sasser and, and Traymond Mark, um, no other player really had a standout shooting game, and they were missing Caleb Mills. So, Quint Grimes didn't have a good shooting game, uh, even though he he was the first uh, player that scored for U of H this season. He had a three pointer to put them on the board first, and well, Dejon had nine points, but obviously he can he can put more points up than that. So it'll be interesting to see the ceiling of this team. Uh, I mean, they, they didn't necessarily play well and they still won by 44 points. So, and they'll only get better. Because you guys talked about how, um, you know, they have a lot of newcomers, but they have that mix of, of veterans and newcomers with, you know, not just Dejan, but they also have Bryson Gresham and Justin Gorham and you know, Quentin Grimes is coming back. So they all have like a sense of what's expected at U of H. So I think, you know, they're already ranked number 17th in the AP poll. It'll be interesting to see how high they can go. I mean, you mentioned them not being a good shooting team, and that's something that we already known. Kelvin Sampson has made it very clear that, you know, he does not have a shooting team, but it's just, he, he encourages them to continue to shoot, just shoot. I, I can remember uh, last season going to watch the post-game uh, conference, post-game uh, interview, sorry, and he would just tell them, you know, he knows they don't have, um, he knows they're not a strong shooting team, but he encourages them to still shoot. And that's kind of the same thing that we see from our, uh, from the Houston Rockets. You know, they aren't a strong shooting team, but they continue to shoot until they knock them down. And that's what kind of helps them win those basketball games. They don't ever stop shooting. Uh, yeah, there's a 
you compare them to the Rockets, I think uh, the difference between U of H and the Rockets is uh, they attack the glass too. Um, you just mentioned Kelvin uh, Samson's, Samson's teams aren't necessarily the strongest shooting teams, but that's why they emphasize crashing the glass. And you, you just mentioned that it reminded me of something that Samson said in his uh, availability to them. He, he called it the Holy Trinity for, for U of H, which is a, Rebounding, defense, and taking care of the ball. That's the holy trinity for U of H, according to Samson. And, you know, today, like I said, they didn't have a good shooting game, but they did well in rebounding and, and defense, holding Lamar to just 45 points. And uh, like I, t- I talked about when I was talking about Dejon earlier, that they have to kind of feel that void and they hit him leaves in terms of rebounding. Um, not just Hinton, but obviously Fabian White, who – towards ACL and in spring and losing Chris Harris Jr. because he graduated. It'll, it, it's at an interesting point where U of H has people that they need to fill voids, but like they still have the veteran leadership to kind of bring the team and lead them along. So I think they're in a good spot. And like I said, I think this team has a really high season. All right, this upcoming weekend, we have the women's taking on Alabama. Who are you picking, Andy and Justin? Oof, that is tough. Um, I have not seen Alabama play. This, this Did Alabama tip off on Wednesday? Actually, let me check real quick. I think with, with Houston, um, the key is going to be their defense. I think with what they showed today, they can, they're going to be able to put up points all season long. Um the key for for the Cougars is going to be how they play on the defensive end. I talked to to Ron Huey and his his availability that he had, and he even though U of H won, he had there were a lot of issues that he said that the Cougars need to correct, and specifically pointed out to fouls. Um, he said that they fouled way too much in this game against Oklahoma, so that's going to be something that they need to clean up heading into Alabama. Alabama did indeed play today. Uh, they played Sanford and they won 83-68 over Samson, Sanford. So with that you know, in mind, we both have two teams coming off of a big win season opener. Um, I mean, both teams 1-0 now and Houston's going to go down there to Alabama. I mean, I want to root for the Cougs. I do. I mean, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cougs for this one. I think I kind of gave them the short end of the stick last week when I said I think Oklahoma. No, I said I wanted them to, you know, be Oklahoma, but I thought it would be a little bit more challenging because they were gonna beat in Oklahoma. So I'm not gonna go against them this time. I'm just gonna straight up say I'm picking the Cougs to win this one. What about you, Justin? I'm going Cougs as well. Probably around five or ten points. Even if it's – yeah, I, I can see that. It'll, it'll be a close game. I, like we said um, in the beginning, I can't – I just have to get this idea out of my mind that this is not the same women's team that we saw last season. Um, again, we've already talked detailed about how, you know, they have those new red shirts that are available to play now. Um key key players uh freshmen you know in their inaugural seasons and then we have a couple upperclassmen who are just hungry you know julia's in her last um season or maybe her last season as andy mentioned you know she might decide to come back next season um but yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go coogs for this one and I'm, I'm really eager to see you guys know i'm a fan of women's basketball so i'm so so excited to see how how they play i just wish 
you know, it was a little bit more for me, I wish I could just actually, I'll just say it. I wish I could just go and watch the games in person over, you know, reading stats online or watching it on TV. It's just something about being at the game that makes it a little bit more exciting. And you can kind of really pay attention to the way each player, you know, handles the ball and how they shoot. And he talked a lot about Tremont Mark and how he efforts, how his shot looks so effortlessly. So Houston and Boise men's basketball this weekend. Also Andy and Justin, who are y'all picking? Uh, I have to take the, the university of Houston. Um, like I said, they didn't have a good shooting game and they still won by 40-plus points and they were missing Caleb Mills. Um, if they get Mills back for the game on Friday, it's certainly going to be a nice, you know, weapon for them to have. Um, I don't expect uh, Marcus Sasser to have as good of a shooting game as he did just because he, he had a really good one on, on Wednesday, but you, you never know. And like uh, Kelvin Sampson said, they have so many weapons, you know, so if Sasser doesn't have a good game on Friday, you know, Dejan Giroux can have a good game or Quentin Grimes or Caleb Mills come back, comes back. I think this team just has too many weapons to, to, to lose on Friday. What about you, Justin? I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be in single digits still the last five or six minutes. And that's when U of H really steps it up with the grit and grind defense. And they'll probably end up winning by around 15. I don't know why I ask these type of questions when we know this is a Cougar basketball podcast and majority of our listeners are supporting the Cougars, including us. So, you know, that's just always for, for giggles, just to see um, if anybody would go against the grain and say <laughs> the opposing team. Oh, believe me, Tamer, if I thought they were going to lose, I, would, I wouldn't be afraid to say it. Uh, it's a good thing we don't have a, a football podcast or else. Oh um, man! If we had, it, a- might, it <laughs> might not be as <laughs> it might not be as positive. And never mind. I won't even add my take on UH football because that's not what this podcast is about. But again, you know, I, I just ask that question: Who you're picking? Um, you know, because I do root for the Cougars, and I do think both of our programs are going to do great things this season. But you know, you can't win them all, and if they do, hats off to them. Uh, absolutely and I, I think that you know it might be interesting I think women's basketball might have a more intriguing season in terms of we don't know what they'll what their seeding is um, just because they have so many new players and so many new pieces so their season is going to be interesting I think they have the possibility of having a high seeding as well um, and it's just to, just going to be a matter of them executing down the stretch Uh I mentioned football. I won't get into football because they've had problems of their own, but I'm kind of going to tie it in because obviously with, with basketball starting, they're expecting to have, you know, with the coronavirus we mentioned earlier, just, you know, football just had their second game canceled. U of H football had their second game canceled in the row um, the past two weeks. So obviously the men's, both men's and women's had their negative tests um, heading into this game. They got their openers off. But there's probably going to be a lot of these games um, where they'll have it postponed, whether it be because of, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be positive tests. It could be by contract tracing and stuff like that. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Lamar had one or two players that did not play against Houston because of, of COVID, according to one of the beat writers for Lamar. 
Um, so it's kind of sobering to, you know, whenever I first got to Fertitta Center, it's kind of easy. You kind of forget a little bit besides the mask that you're wearing. Um, but yeah, that's starting to be, a, it's going to play a factor at one point in the season for both of these teams. And you mentioned, you know, we talked, I talked a little bit about the same thing, you know, how U of H women's basketball team, you know, they have so many new players um, that we have not seen. And I think that's what makes it intriguing is to see how they can really redeem themselves in their season of redemption. It's going to be interesting to see also how high they rank um, now that UConn is no longer in the conference this season. Um, I asked them a couple of weeks back if they intended to play UConn and these non-conference games um, in the future. And they told me that they did. So it'll be interesting to see how this season goes. And then if this same team can go against UConn, maybe next next season in a non-conference game, um, just to see how they have improved since we last saw them play UConn. Yeah, Tamer, you brought, brought that up. And uh, certainly a couple of players have said that. They, they wish that UConn had stayed in the American Athletic Conference just to – they kind of they said that playing against UConn was a perfect test for them because they could see uh, what their biggest weaknesses are because UConn is going to exploit every weakness that you have. And with a team like this, that the Houston, that's kind of not only are they new, but they don't necessarily know what their ceiling is. Um, going up against UConn would have been a good kind of test and, and kind of measuring stick. Uh, to one of the best teams in the not only the conference but the entire NCAA. Well, we got Boise State and men, men's Boise and Houston on Friday, and also University of Alabama versus Houston also on Sunday. Real quickly, I know we're we're about to we're running out of time here, but one thing that we didn't talk about for the men's side, uh, Jamal Shed, uh, he's another one of the newcomers for for Houston. Uh, he had a good he had a solid game um not in terms of points but he had four blocks and just talking to Dejan Giroux and and Kelvin Sampson what they said after the the game or what they told media after the game is you know they're not surprised uh they, they his defense is he's probably one of the best defenders on the team and he's going to be someone to that will have an impact for the team um throughout the course of the season. He had four blocks in his, his debut in the NCAA, so he's another person who's going to be keeping an eye on. Uh, he won't have the eye-popping offensive numbers, but he'll, he'll impact the team in terms of, of on the defensive side, and obviously that's going to impact wins as well. And one more thing, uh, not only does U of H play on Friday, the men's play on Friday, uh, then obviously the main event on Sunday, the men's basketball is going to play Texas Tech, which is what a lot of people are excited about. And of course, women's, um, they will play Alabama on Sunday as well. So it's going to be a doubleheader on Sunday, just like it was on Wednesday. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Pod Samma Jamma. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysts, speculations, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. For Tamer, Justin, my name is Adiana saying so long, Pod Simon Jamma, your home for University of Houston hoops.